looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any other films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. This is DC, the brain supreme of tag team. And you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. That's right, Crazy Train Radio. Whoop! There it is. Party people! Sprinkles!
so folks this next guest is part of the iconic old school hip-hop duo tag team that is that released i should say their famous debut single which i just saw an interesting story about whoop there it is weeks ahead of time in the spring of 93 which led them to take up residence for the next two years shattering several billboard records at the time and what better way to do and enjoy such success than with your childhood friend from growing up in denver colorado and both last i heard are living in the atlanta ga area let's welcome one of that band but also part of the very popular geico commercial scoop there it is Cecil, DC, the brain supreme Glenn of Tag Team. DC, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Hey, man, I'm wonderful. How you doing? Hey, we our feet are on this side of the ground today, so got to count for something. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. So first and foremost, and obviously we're going to talk about the single and the commercial and all that, but... Mm-hmm. Obviously, from what I had seen over the past several years, you have been doing some voiceover work and acting and such. You're, what's the word I'm looking for? Diversifying yourself mm-hmm. within the entertainment world, which is awesome. So I know you said you're back on the grind again. So what do you got going on currently? I have never stopped grinding. I've been I've been grinding. Since I was five years old, my mother used to make me stem collard greens and shook peas. And I, I, you know, I always say this, that I, I just appreciate my parents because they worked me and my brother like a dog. Like my father used to make us wash his car, cut the grass, cut the hedges, shovel the snow. And, you know, there was a blizzard in Denver. I think I was about eight years old. And we were the only family that had a snowblower. And me and my brother did ours about 20 minutes. And I seen Mr. Grant struggling next door. And we did the, we went and did his and we ended up doing the whole block, right? Because to us, it's just kids playing in snow. And um, later that week, we're walking home from school. People start calling us, hey, come here. Here's $20. Thanks for doing the snow. Here's $30. And that's when a hustler was born, right? Because I realized, whoa, all I gotta do is work. And, you know, our parents gave us um, allowance, but that was like $5 a week. And, you know, it just, that work ethic was instilled to me at a young age, I had a paper out, then I went on to just always work and always hustle. So, you know, I have never stopped grinding and I've always taken opportunities to learn and, get better at things. And you asked me what I'm doing today. Well, you know, before we just finished talking, I'm, you know, emailing my outsourcer in the Philippines, I'm writing a um, press release because we did, you know, performed at the Western Conference Finals last night or yesterday afternoon. And I got a press release and I'm doing the press release because I write code uh, which is called JSON schema to be able to be on the first page, any page I want in Google. And now this press release is with all these things working together is going to get, take me places that I never dreamed I have never ever could have been. Right. And 
people look at me and say, why and how do you do all this? Like people say, what made you want to do all this? And I'm like, because everybody's story is different. Everybody's approach is different. You know, you can be like the herd and do things the traditional way and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm different. I'm going to, I want to know the hierarchy of something from the top to the bottom. Once I learn the hierarchy of that system and that system that has worked for years and years and years, then I find a different way to get into the cracks and get in front of the people that I need to get in front of. And then I become successful. And the reason I become successful is because over the years, in any job I've had, I've had a firm belief that any job you have, you do so much extra than you're supposed to do, not for the job, but to make yourself invaluable. And when you make yourself invaluable, you make yourself more valuable because one, you never lose that job because they can't do it without you. And two, if you do lose that job, the transition to the next bigger thing is easier because you went extra and acquired the skills that you need to get anywhere you need to go. And I've spent a lifetime doing that. And, you know, you have to stay positive. You can't quit. And you have to keep playing offense. And doors will open for you that you never imagined. And that is why I stand before you just hustling and learning, learning how to learn. All these things are the things that make DC the brain supreme, DC the brain supreme. And I'm having the time of my life. I feel like I'm 25, right? And it's just because, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to learn how to do voiceover because I was doing radio spots and voiceover for so long in the clubs that I was in because I was a DJ for 30 years. So mm-hmm. if I'm a DJ, I might as well do more. If I'm a DJ at your club, I'm not just your DJ. I'm your sound guy. I'm your light tech. I do your radio spots. I do your television spots. I do your graphics artistry. I do your flyers. I do your video work. I do everything to make myself invaluable. So if another club comes and say, hey, DC, we know what you do for them. Come do it for us. I got to respect you and say, hey, can I go work at this other club? And they'll tell me no and give and cut me a check. Here's why, right? They'll give me health insurance. They'll give me a life insurance policy. They'll give me six streams of income. They'll let me hustle inside the club. They'll let me self-sustain myself in one place for years because I made myself invaluable. And all the things that I know how to do by making myself invaluable, I start to like them. So I say, hey, I'm doing the, since I'm doing the radio spots, let me get, let me get better in voiceover. So now if I choose to do something, I want the best teachers. I want the best. So I fly to New York, fly to LA, and now I'm doing voiceover. But I didn't realize how hard voiceover is going to be. And it was difficult. I started in 2009 and it was brutal because I thought I could just whoop there it is my way through anything. And I was wrong, right? And being able to admit you're wrong is growth in leaps and bounds as a man right? Because you have to sequester your ego and you have to kill your pride. And if you can do that, 
your imagination and your way of open thinking becomes limitless and you see all the possibilities that life beholds for you. But if you're stuck in your own, you know, uh, ego and you can't take your pride being hurt, well, then you're going to be stuck there forever. And don't get me wrong, it's easier said than done. Because I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, eat that a bitch. Hurts and, and your ego's been hit. You just have to not react, right? Don't react and take that pain. See, if you react right there viscerally, then that takes you down a path of just darkness, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you can't handle it. But if you just don't deal with it, right? Put it in your pocket, let it marinate for a while. All that negative energy becomes positive energy because you realize that you were the one, if you had to let that get to you, you would be the one getting in your own way of success. I was going to say, ain't that a bitch too when your ego and all gets in the way? Oh, it happens daily, right? But you have to fight it. And sometimes you don't fight it. But then you, if you live that way, you come back to realize, what did I do wrong? What did I say wrong? You start evaluating yourself and you self-reflect. And then you, you, that might, you know, in your self-reflection, <clears throat> you might even come upon more things that had nothing to do with the original thing that you can approve on to make your life better. And I tell you, you know, it gives me more, it gives me such positive energy because I could take anything negative and turn it into positivity and use it. People tell me I can't do something. Thank you. Because you've just given me the will to do it. If people come to me with excuses, thank you. Because you've just given me the reason to come up with five solutions for every excuse you gave me. If people come to me with their problems, 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 you give me, you know, they, I say thank you because they give me the way to not even deal with the problem. The problem's easy. The solution is the hard part. So all I think about is the solution. And then you don't get bogged down in the misery and the despair and the questioning of yourself and the, the, all the things that make you act that way. And then you flourish and it serves you, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what that's what helps me with acting. I can take something, put it in my pocket and then apply it to whatever script I get. Now I'm not looking to find a character or to be a caricature. Now the character becomes me because it's real. And when it's real, people believe it because people have been where you are as the character. So, I mean, I got, I got a million of them, dude. And, and, and it's the reason I love to do podcasts. It's the reason I love to be here with, with, with good people like yourself, because right now we're not having a conversation about won't there it is. We're having a conversation between two men and how we can be better, what we can do to keep it moving, to move forward, to help each other, to communicate, to see things, how we all see things and come up with solutions and tactics that, help people be better, right? Mm -hmm. I don't choose to do that, but that is my story, right? That is my story. And I love to tell it to people because these are the things I wish someone had told me when I was a young man. Not that I would do anything different because when you're young, you're stupid. You know, <laughs> youth is wasted on the young and you have to go through these things to get to this point. And it's okay, right? Like perfect example with voiceover. There, there are things in life 
that we beat ourselves up for missed opportunities or mistakes, right? We all got those. We all got those. We beat ourselves up sometimes for years. And what I realized, I can correct all them damn mistakes. Those weren't lost opportunities because I could still do that now, right? Because sometimes in life, we're just not ready. And that's okay. We're just not ready. And I used to beat myself all the time because I was in the deep bowels of Disney teaching the voices of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, husband and wife team, how to rap. Hey, everybody, it's me, Mickey Mouse. Say, you want to come inside my clubhouse? Say it with me. Mishka, Muska, Mickey Mouse. Because we did a kid's record with Disney, right? And they taught me about animation and voiceover, and I taught them how to rap, and we had a great time. And I used to beat myself up because I was like, dude, you were there. Just think if you had to start doing voiceover back then. Man, just beat myself up. But then 2021, a couple months ago, I just signed with one of the biggest voiceover agencies in the world. Now I'm auditioning two, three times a day and I'm booking for some pretty remarkable projects and I've had some pretty remarkable projects already in the hole. So did I miss that opportunity in the long run? No, because of that initial meeting, that's what sparked that interest. And then me sparking that interest again, because it was something I was good at, that sparked more interest. And then, you know, as time goes on, you become masterful. You know, they say jack of all trades, master none. DC, you're all over the place. You got, you're doing too many things. You do fast photography. You ain't getting paid for it. You're doing this, you're doing that. But it's like, you do, you live long enough. You don't quit. You keep hustling. Learn how to learn. Some of those trades, you become very masterful. And then they all serve you in ways that are like a fourth and fifth arm. Right? Mm -hmm. And you don't even recognize it, but you're doing things that other people are looking at you doing. Like, how did, how did you learn how to do that? Just learned how to do it. You're asking the question. You, you've already answered your own question, right? How did you learn how to do that? I learned how to do that. Well, how do I learn how to do it? Go learn how to do it. You know how to search, don't you? <laughs> put, put in a Google search what you want. And then work from there. What do I want? and then work from there. You'll find something that teaches you. You'll find a YouTube video, you'll find something, but it's up to you. It's up to you what's gonna stop you, where you gonna quit at, how far are you gonna go? Are you gonna give up? Are you gonna say, I can't find anything? There's stuff out there. It's and here's how I think, if I can't find something, that's a perfect opportunity for me to teach it to everybody else because nobody can find it. Now you can make money off of it if you do it right. Mm-hmm. I think different, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. right? And it all applies. It all applies. Exactly. And two things there. And obviously for the second half, you already answered it within that answer. Isn't it amazing when that light bulb goes off for the hustle, as you mentioned as a kid, when some of the neighbors were trying to hook you up for doing the snow and such, but also as far as the learning and when people ask you, DC, why are you always hustling? Why are you always doing this? 
my question would be, why not? And mm -hmm. exactly, you answered that by, hey, I can use this information down the line to help me both personally and professionally there. Yeah. It's all about building your own computer. You know what I mean? Like, like this is what, you know, I, I do SEO, search engine optimization. It's taken me 10 years, right? And there's so much that is involved in it and it's a moving target. So it was just super difficult. But then it is simplistic, right? Because to me, SEO in a nutshell is, feed, SEO is feeding a robot. Google is a robot, nothing more, nothing less. It is a robot. There is a book of recipes that you use to feed the robot. If you don't follow these recipes, right? Mm -hmm. And you're feeding the robot crap and it's not gonna perform the way you want it to. So for me, I look at myself as a chef to feed the robot. Now, you're gonna have chefs who just do the regular and they feed the robot the regular or are you gonna have five-star chefs who is gonna prepare a course out of this world for the bot? And which one do you wanna be? Which one do you think is gonna help the bot function better, right? And that's what I choose. So whatever it takes for me to get to that five-star chef level, that's what I'm gonna do because feeding the robot is the ability to be in front of anybody, anywhere, anytime with your message and the world will see you. And it's interesting that you mentioned the SEO and I can incorporate it here because with that said, and being able to be that five-star chef actually led to you from, if I understand this correctly, getting the Geico commercial because it allowed them to find you exactly. with the, the SEO. And by you laying that groundwork led to folks who put the commercial together to find you and your partner, correct? Yeah. Because if they can't find me, they might've had four rappers that they were thinking about. So they might have looked once and said, I can't find them. We give up and went to the next one. But because they called the number, they knew the number was real. They left a message and they kept searching. And then they searched again. They called, they, they looked up and found IMDB. Mm -hmm. IMDB had, you know, my um, uh, agent's name, the People Store Agency in Atlanta, Georgia, called them and said, we want tag team for a deal. But on the flip side, my agent calls me and says, you just booked a, uh, a Geico commercial. I'm like, don't don't play with me, you lying. It's like, no, DC, you did. And I'm like, I ain't even audition for that because I'm thinking acting, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, no, they want a tag team. And I was like, oh, and I went back, checked the phone and boom, there it was. And it was perfect synergy because I let my agent make the deal. And I didn't have to go get lawyers. I didn't have to go do all the things that I would have dreaded doing. And it has turned out to be the most lucrative deal I've ever made in my life. Talk about synergy. But that's because all the things that might've looked stupid to people back in the day came back to serve me in a way that opens up doors to a hundred other things that I got to learn that are going to serve me down the road even further. Right? Mm-hmm. And here's with that, too, that you mentioned about having your agent do the legwork for you guys. And I could be wrong here, but your mentality may have been, at least for this particular job, would have been based off music 
where your agent would have been thinking about, okay, what about their side cards? What about this? What about that? You know, it's a different beast Mm -hmm. acting compared to music. It is a different beast, but it's kind of the same because you see, here's the thing. See, here's this, this is, this is, uh, I'm I'm going to tell this story and you'll understand what I'm saying. Right. So let me go through the whole hierarchy and then it's going to answer all the questions that you have, but it's going to answer so many more that you have. And I know it will. So once we get the call from Geico, I'm like, I got work to do. People are asking me, I know you're happy. You got a Geico commercial. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, because we're in a pandemic. So I'm not going to be able to do shows. So when you get a Geico commercial, you do shows. It, it reinvigorates your career. Salt and Pepper got theirs 2014. Didn't stop till the pandemic. Right, they were on a tour to the pandemic. That's not gonna happen for us. So, well, you're an actor, let's prepare. So they come until you know, we start meeting with the Martin agency. And the Martin agency is the agency that has been making Geico commercials since day one. I said, Well, you're an actor and you're a voiceover. It's time for you to infiltrate the Martin agency. See, if I'm not if I'm not one degree of separation from the horse's mouth. I'm a regular artist who has a who has a publicist, who has a manager, who has a record label, who does all that for me. And all I got to do is just show up and do the video. But I'm not that. I am the one that sets everything up. I am the one that does all the dirty work. I am the one that's took it upon himself to do everything because that's what creates opportunities. Right. So we get the, you know, Martin Agency says we're going to do soup. There it is. And I'm like, okay, cool. Me being an actor, I start working. <clears throat> I'm looking through Seinfeld episodes, trying to find the super Nazi episodes so I can find good things. You know what I mean? Just something different to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Because it's about what you bring to the party. Because one of my acting coaches, Crystal Carson, I love her to death. She was cussing us out one day. She was like, you got to be better. You got to, he said, this is, this, this is the gist of everything. You're invited to a party. What are you going to bring? Some people are going to bring chips and, you know, dip. Some people might bring some alcohol. Some people might bring a casserole. Not me. I'm bringing an ice sculpture. I'm bringing two turntables and a microphone. I'm bringing a karaoke machine. I'm bringing four card tables so everybody can play cards. I'm bringing a bouncing gym so the kids can have fun in the bouncing gym. And we're going to barbecue. And you're going to remember me because of all the things I brought to the party. Right? Mm-hmm. That's how I live my life now. So... They called me back like, no, 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 we're going to do scoop. There it is. Ice cream. I was like, okay. Then that took me back to my childhood when my father used to make ice cream for us. And I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. I have some ice cream. And I'm going to eat it all. I'm going to eat it all. He put the eggs and the sugar and the vanilla and the milk in the bowl. And then we get it all ready with the cylinder, with the ice around and the wood bucket and the churn. And he poured in 20 more minutes, me and my brother have ice cream, right? Happiest, happiest kids on earth. I wanted to bring that essence to the tag team commercial, to the Geico commercial. And I wanted to go in with five things that are, ten, you know, five to 10 things that I was trying to think of that would make the commercial better, that I could have my imprint on. And we had a production meeting the night before and I went to the director, I said, I got some ideas. I want to have a spinning scoop. He's like, DC, whatever you want to do, we could do. I said, oh, I couldn't find anybody to build a spinning scoop. He's like, it'll be done tomorrow. I'm like, whoa, we're in the big time. Okay. 
And I said, I want to do sprinkles. I don't know why kids love sprinkles, but I want sprinkles. We want to do three different iterations of sprinkles, food fight party with the sprinkles, salt bay. Maybe we could do the LeBron James. Oh, when he does the chalk at the table. We got this dance we do down in the Southeast. People will recognize when they see us do it. Now we represent the Southeast. All these little things are the nuances that make the commercial, the commercial. And we shot the commercial that day and they had so much footage because of what you bring to the party. They could have shot five Geico commercials with it. And then it was over. And then we waited and I'm like, I have to do something because I know how big this is. So I, I'm going to take these lemons. I'm going to make me some good lemonade. I'm going to have a lemonade company. I'm going to franchise and I'm going to sell it for $20 million. That is my mindset. So I said, let's get a publicist. Get the word out. Well, all the publicists are in a pandemic. So they're like, we don't know how to deal with this. First of all, it's a commercial. We usually do movies and stuff like that. And then we're in a pandemic. We're all working from home. And they gave me every reason why they shouldn't instead of one, why they should. So whenever I get stuck like that, I've developed these learn how to learn hustle tactics. And my best one is whenever I get stuck on something, when I know about something, I join an organization, society, or uh you know, association. And those are filled with people in a certain profession who love their profession, who have gained expertise and mastery at the profession for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And I said, I'm gonna be my own damn publicist. So I joined the Public Relations Society of America. Two, two days in, I'm on a podcast with the CEO of this big PR firm. And I want some validation. I raised my hand. I said, you know, I've got this press release ready. I held it, but our press release is still relevant. I know they're relevant, but I want somebody else to tell me why they're relevant. And they're like, well, what's it for? I'm like, I kind of featured in this Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. And I'm looking at the chat and it's like, wait a minute, that can't be him. Is that him? Oh my God, it is him. I love that commercial. Don't kids love that commercial? Blew up the entire Zoom call because <laughs> everybody couldn't believe that DC, the brain supreme of tag team, the Scoop, there it is, dude is on this podcast. Asking is a press release relevant. And the CEO says, yes, that press release is relevant because the whole last year has been COVID. And the whole last year has been political. And here you guys come throwing sprinkles, spinning scoops, dancing, smiling, having a good time. And DC, your smile, of course that press release is going to work. And you want to get it out as soon as possible. And you want to go here for all the publicists, here for all the TV talk shows, here for all the podcasts, here for all the journalists. Make sure your pitches are this way, this way. And you don't want to mention this. She gave me an entire breadth of her expertise in public relations in 10 minutes. And I have not looked back. And it has opened doors for me I could have never imagined. And it is the reason that you and I are talking right now. Exactly. There was a, uh, and I'll be upfront here because of what he just said there. There was a, uh, I actually got a press release of a press release, radioguestlist.com. Oh, yeah. One of them mm -hmm. that mentioned, hey, we're working with DC, yada, yada, yada. And that's how that ball started rolling. Yeah. You know, I like to be upfront with the fans. Yeah. But yeah. So what he said is true. But, I really appreciate this conversation because people get to see, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, Cecil 
and the knowledge of that's up here, DC the brain, but also the person that how you're much willing to learn and just everything. And I like you mentioned this earlier. I appreciate doing this deep dive on. Okay, great. Yeah, we could just have a five, 10 minute conversation about whoop, there it is. But they are seeing so much more about DC, the brain, Supreme. And I and, appreciate and, that. And, and the beauty of it is that whoop, there it is, is the genesis of 80% of it. Yes. Right? Because we signed a messed up record deal, it changed my path in a certain way and hurt me in certain ways that I vowed that it would never happen again because of the success. I knew that from DJing that I didn't want to be the arrogant, you know, rapper and arrogant guy who treated people like crap because I knew it would come back and haunt me one day. Because of Womp, there it is. And because of my past, I knew that, you know, I had to make, you know, you know, lemons, lemonade out of lemons a lot of the time. And because of that, it fashioned my brain into a way that made me come up with solutions instead of becoming old and bitter, <laughs> rehashing the problems. Well, speaking of problems, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things I just recently learned last night and into this morning before we uh, started recording here. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that, and I'm guessing this has to do with that bad contract that you mentioned there, that you were in... 20 years of litigation over the song mm-hmm. what if you can what was the issue the issue was we signed a contract it wasn't the greatest icon it wasn't the most ideal contract but in the music game there are so many different let's say buckets that all come together and if you don't take care of all those buckets then you're in bad shape and you know, most art, every artist goes through this. So when we signed our deal, we signed a production deal. It was beautiful. We made money for a long time. It was cool. But then it was like, wait a minute, we need, we, we should be getting more money. So come to realize that the record company was about to go bankrupt. So I'm trying to find out legally where my money's at. And then they go bankrupt. And then another record company buys it out of bankruptcy. And then they take everything when they should have took everything. And then the battle ensues between those two record companies for the rights of the song that I wrote. Right. And instead of, you know, I, I probably could fight one record company, but I can't fight two. And I kind of depleted all my money just by fighting one record company. So I had to go back to work, but I didn't look at the glass half empty. I said, how do we look at the glass half full? Well, basically I, I became a paralegal. And when we would go out to L.A., the record company, they would give me stacks and stacks of papers. But I was like, I'm not looking at all this. I would send it to my mother in a FedEx box. And she kept it in a trunk down in the basement. And I said, I'm going to get all my all this stuff together, organize it, because I know I'm going to have my day in court. I'm going to learn, you know, what a motion is, how how a court comes to trial, all these things. And that's what I did. And through, you know, communication with both sides, you know, cause they're playing us like a pawn and it's not working, but I'm learning from both sides and what to do. And then I've got people who are helping me. And as we go along, I'm organizing what is going to be tag teams, um, you know, winning, winning court case. 
And we did this for 20 years. In 2017, we prevailed at a cost. You know, in war, you lose an arm, you lose a leg, come back with an eye patch, but you're living. Then it's your choice what you want to do. But our career was stymied like in 1997. So there was nothing really more we could do. We could have tried to put out records, but then somebody would have came and been like, well, you know, you owe us, you know, you're on this contract, you know, and I didn't want to deal with that. And I didn't want to pay no more lawyers because that's how you get bled. You can't withstand getting bled to death, right? And mm -hmm. I said, okay, live to fight another day. But the half full is I learned the legal strategy and then what spawned off of that, I said, I will never let people take advantage of me financially. So I became a licensed commodities broker. I said, I'm gonna learn everything I can about finance. Then I said, well, shoot, that was easy. It, it wasn't, but it, you know, it was like, I did it. You know, think about it, passed a series three test, took me three times to pass it. Cause the first time, this is me part of learning how to learn. If I'm gonna take a test, I'm gonna find out how many times I could fail. First time I'm just going and take it just so I can see what's on the test. So I know what to study. Second time I'm gonna study, didn't fail it. Third time I passed it. Now my license commodity broke. I'm like, shoot, I got all these athletes and stars. I could start a hedge fund. So I, I, I developed these learn how to learn tactics. There's another one that has served me well. I don't know what a hedge fund is, but I'm like, I know that if you have a hedge fund, you gotta have a manager of a hedge fund. So I start calling all these firms that manage hedge funds. And that's the only time I use my celebrity. I call, I say I'm DC tag team, made song boom, there it is. I got money that I'm under management of. I want to start a big hedge fund. Do you guys do hedge fund management? Yeah, man, that was my favorite song. You hear the womp, there it is story. And then you get down the business. Like, can I get a meeting? Sure. I fly up to New York. You know, I can fly to LA. I fly to uh, San Francisco, Las Vegas. I'm in a board meeting in a boardroom in Las Vegas. And my first question is, why should I let you guys manage my hedge fund? I got Dominique Wilkins. I got Deion Sanders. I got all the Falcons. I got all the stars. Why? And, Obvious question, though. Yeah. And they go into a pitch. Because we have returns like this, we do this, we do that, because this, this, we'll do this, we'll do that. And what they don't realize is while they're pitching me, they're teaching me. And you do that enough times, you will know anything you want to know about a certain thing you want to learn about. And I realize, you know, and it's like, you know, you drop a bomb, you have collateral damage. I call this on the positive side, collateral sprinkles. And I knew hedge fund wasn't for me because to me, it's kind of like intellectual gambling and I'm terrible at gambling because I get emotional at gambling. We all have limits. We all have weaknesses, but some weaknesses aren't worth getting better at, right? So I know I don't gamble because I know that I can't take it. But the collateral sprinkles is that two, year 2000, I look at CNBC, I didn't know what they were talking about. Year 2002, I know everything they're talking about. So you come up with other strategies because you know that there are certain different ways to invest, different ways to make money off of your money. And I've been making money ever since investing. So you could say signing that bad contract was a bad thing if you're looking at it only in one way. But for me, it was probably one of the greatest things that ever happened because now I'm back in the clubs. And if I'm in the clubs, well, how can I do, how can I run a business? Well run your life like a business. So I run my life like a corporation. I started in 2001. C Corp, okay, gotta, gotta get your credit straight, gotta get this straight. 
you can't do that unless you do this straight. You can't do that unless you do this. You can't do that if you do unless you do this. Well, you need to learn how to do this to be able to do that. Well, okay, I got to put together a business plan to do this. Dang, okay, that's easy. No, it's not. Business plan requires making a plan. A plan is not just a dream. A plan is strategic pinpoint things that you jot down in scenarios. So if you go to a bank and say, hey, I, I need some money, and you slap down that business proposal, they know that you're serious. But if you go in, it's like, well, how do I get a loan? I, got, I need a loan. What can I do? Give me some paperwork. They're going to give you the paperwork. They're going to be nice to you, but they're not going to give you the money because they know you don't know what you're doing. It's not a good investment to them for their bank. Right? You learn these things as you go along because I run my life like a corporation now. You know, I, I went through a heck of bookkeepers and they couldn't do my bookkeeping right. So I learned how to do QuickBooks on my own. And now I'm a master at QuickBooks and I know where every penny goes, right? I know when I'm spending too much money, when I'm not spending, you know, where I, I know where it's going. I know what I need to do, what I don't need to do. I know when something is recurring every month and I didn't catch it, right? Like it's, it is, it has liberated me from just wasting money, right? Cause you're going to waste money enough as it is, but to waste money blindly, this is unacceptable. So all these things spawn from us having a bad contract, but at the same time, you know, we still got, I still got a hit record forever. And mm -hmm. I realized that when I'm sitting in the movie theater, looking at Will Ferrell dance on a table to whoop, there it is an elf. And I didn't even know it pissed me off, but then I was happy because I was like, I got an evergreen record and this record is going to last forever. And it's up to me to make the money. See, we've, I've, I've, we've never, all the people that we've ever depended on didn't, didn't come through the way they should have. So let me learn it. And then if it gets too much for me, then I can teach somebody else and then do it the way that's custom to what tag team needs to do. And that's what you do. Two things you mentioned. Well, one thing you mentioned there, Dominic Wilkins is one of the guys you work with. Loved him as a ball player. He's now working with the Hawks as a broadcaster. Love the guy. But listening to your story reminds me, and I've never interacted with him, interview or anything like that. But listening to your story reminds me a lot of Shaquille O'Neal. And the mm -hmm. reason I bring up Shaq is because I was listening to him on a in-depth interview, I guess maybe last year. And Shaq was talking about the educational side of things that he's learned over time, mm -hmm. such as he's ended up finishing his bachelor's at his mother's, uh, yeah. you know, nudging. But then he goes, you know, from the business side of things, he would such as you can talk to me, not my agent, because he went and got these different like his doctrines and his yeah. different educational. You know, he continued to learn as well. So he was aware of what was going on and he wasn't just this dumb jock per se. Yeah. That's like, Hey, you can, he was saying, Hey, you can talk to me as well. I know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. So I appreciate that you were doing the same thing that, Hey, I'm not just some hip hop artist. I am. I know what I'm talking about here and I know what's going on in this conversation. And, and it's so ironic because now all those hip hop artists that, you know, were big back in the day. I'm talking to them now and they're just sitting there with their mouths open like, dang, well, how'd you do that? And how'd you do that? And I was like, you just never stop, right? Like, perfect example, I wanted to start doing shows again because we, you know, we do halftime shows all the time, but 
I wanted to go on tour. And I was like, how do I do that? Let me start calling all the booking agents that we've worked with in the past and new booking agents. So I was like, can we get on the roster? Because if I can get on your roster, then people will see that tag teams doing shows. So if you're on 20 rosters, then they know that we're a viable option. But then the response was, well, you only got one record and that record was old. You don't have a catalog. They gave me, once again, they gave me every reason why they shouldn't instead of one why they should, right? And what did I do? I went and joined the International Entertainment Buyers Association. And when it comes to concerts and entertainment, there's a hierarchy. You have your, your, um, your buyers, the people who want to put on the tours. Then you have your venues, you know, the stadiums and the arenas and the, you know, amphitheaters. And then you have your big boy promoters, which is Live Nation and iHeartRadio. Then you have your mom and pops, which were the people who were telling me you only had one song. Then you have your managers and then you have your artists. And I go to their convention and it's me and Chubby Checker, the only black dudes there, 5,000 people. And these are all buyers and entertainment people, tribute bands, casinos, every form of entertainment that put on shows. And I got a big whoop, there it is, t-shirt. I got my pitch together and I start just networking. And I knew that, I soon learned that the fact that we're a clean rap group was promising because I would introduce myself on DC to Brands Premier Tag Team. Might've heard the song Whoop there. Hey, I know that, what are you guys doing? Well, we have a clean, 90s nostalgic rap show if i just said we're just rappers trying to find some shows they would have been like no thank you because they don't want to pay that insurance but because i said clean their ears perked up and then i met so many good people and they were like you know what we could use you as a filler because that brings energy to that i love that record but you know pay you guys as a filler to be halfway during the the concert and you guys come out, be a guest performer, and then, you know, just all these different scenarios that they were telling me that we could do. And then all of a sudden we start doing shows. All because I didn't give up. I kept pushing. I didn't take no for an answer. I learned how to learn. I got in there. I got in them trenches. And not too long after that, we're on tour. Right? Mm -hmm. With just one song. And now we're still doing shows every weekend. And if I wanted to ramp it up, I could, but that's just enough. We're not greedy and I'm happy. Now, if I had listened to everybody, I wouldn't have done nothing, right? But the fact that I could, I can, I, I just don't, you can't tell me no, can't tell me no. And I'm gonna hold it and I'm gonna figure out a way, right? And, you know, sometimes it just isn't meant for you, but I don't expect anything from doing all this work, right? There is no quit pro quo. You don't plant a seed and sit down and look at the seed and say, hey, seed, grow. Come on, seed, grow. Please grow, seed, please. <laughs> this seed don't work. I quit. That's not realistic, but we know people that do that all the time. But I come to realize that I've planted a lot of seeds in my life. And you can't, you don't know when they're going to come back to you. You don't know if it's going to take 10 years, five years, a year, two weeks, two days. But I can tell you this, I stand before you in a forest of opportunity could have never dreamed of. But when those seeds do come back to you. Exactly. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's like, and that's when, that's why I go so hard because I don't know what opportunity is going to come at me. So you better be ready. And if I'm not ready, it's my fault. 
Mm-hmm. Everything we all have a choice. We have a choice in everything we do. We all have a choice, and I choose to hustle above all and self-reflect and try to make myself a better person today than I was yesterday. You know, that hurts sometimes because you have to look at yourself and you have to you have to you have to admit that you're wrong and you have to, like I said, kill your ego, kill your pride. And then you always got this dude on your shoulder. I call him Mr. Saboteur. He's always trying to sabotage everything you do by telling you to just be lazy. Don't go do that today. Go on and eat that Wendy's, right? And he wins from time to time, but overall, it's always going to be a battle. And if you're strong enough, you win. And, you know, if you can win more days than lose, you'll be okay. Well, my final question for you, since we're talking music and such, and I don't know if you, this would be, because in certain aspects, I might be naive or, Maybe because I don't fully understand the hip hop and rap game, and but, and I mean this respectfully, but maybe you can. I want to use this as a teachable moment here, mm-hmm. if possible. And obviously, there has been such the evolution within the hip hop and rap game. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you mentioned earlier as far as the touring and trying to get touring. You're a clean rap group, which is true. Mm-hmm. And you would be of the same era or same style, I would say, as a Will Smith, say, mm-hmm. where he's not very dirty, raunchy acts. But yet, certain periods, and I'm not knocking them because they're legendary. Yeah. You have your Tupacs, you have your Biggies, you have you know these different legendary acts over the evolution. And I'm not saying those guys in particular but where certain language is used in the songs. And, you know, it's like where some people might go, hey, why are they saying it like this? Or bring that language in, if that makes sense. Yeah. Where, and maybe I'm looking at it here with a 2020 lens or 2021 lens that. You're looking at it from. You know what I'm saying? It's like such a yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why what they do is for them. What I do is for me. Yeah. Right. It's all about who you are. Right. I know that I don't gotta cuss. I can cuss. It's fun to cuss, but I don't gotta cuss. And then if I cuss too much, it 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 makes me cringe because I know I don't I know I have a better vocabulary than that. Yeah. I know that I can fashion. I could be a wordsmith if I have to and I use one cuss word and be more graphic than I would be if I use cuss words, right? But Mm -hmm. everybody's not me, nobody thinks like that. So I can't, you know, people always, another question people ask me, don't you hate the hip hop they're making today? And I'm like, I could care less because that's for them. Like what we did was for us, right? You hip hop isn't one thing, right? It evolves. Or, you know, what if you believe them, devolve. But I'm like, devolve to what? What you don't like? You 50 year old, years old now. If it stayed the way it was and for you to like it, it never would have evolved. I said, there are people making millions and millions of dollars off of rap. Why would you want to knock what they're doing? Somebody's liking it. It's just not you. Yeah. 
So you can't even let your emotions get involved in that. Yes, they should be, they should pay homage to the old schoolers and blah, 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 because we set the way and boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, yeah, but did you ever pay homage to Chubby Checker and Little Richard? And were you trying to make music like Marvin Gaye and Parliament Funkadelic? No, because that was then and you were doing what you did, right? And once <laughs> I say that, they're like, you're right, yeah. Is that if anything, our responsibility is to teach them so they don't make the same mistakes we did. <laughs> and that's why I do this because I wish, you know, somebody had told me those things when I was young, but then I might not listen and that's cool. But I know that I give what I want first, period, always and forever. So, you know, I don't judge people. I don't knock any, I have opinions. But even if I judge, I can retract it. I can take it back and say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said it like that. Yep, I was wrong. I shouldn't have thought like that. I was too quick to judge. You know what I mean? And then- Teachable moments. Yeah, when I when I do that, man, I feel so much better, right? I feel so much better. I can admit when I'm wrong. I love to be wrong because I know the reward from it. There's a, You have to you see, normally people that can't admit they're wrong don't even see the reward. But I see the reward. I see the growth. I see how it helps me, right? I'll be wrong. I, I don't care. I don't care to lose an argument. Yeah, okay, I was wrong. Okay, that fact was right. Hey, you deal with it within yourself and you keep it moving. Because it's not, yeah. You got one life. And in that life, you got choices. What are you going to choose to do? That's what it boils down to. And I have a background in history. So mm -hmm. maybe, and obviously a lot of things have been more prevalent in the past couple of years, whether you look at music or, you know, just the facets of life. Mm -hmm. And I guess with that previous question, the thing that I've always been taken aback by, and again, maybe this is naive. I don't know, not understanding the culture fully, but hopefully you can answer this. And I mean as respectfully, especially I've noticed more so in music and such with the, in the hip hop and all. I guess my biggest question is use of the N word because, yeah. and again, this is the, I guess, the history side of me coming out that mm -hmm. it's like there's such the negative connotation of that. You know, we just recently passed the June, Juneteenth as a federal holiday. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you look at the, I see a lot of the negative throughout history usage of that word, but yet you hear it like it's no big deal in certain hip hop and music. So do you understand the confliction there? I mean, you just explained it. There's always going to be that confliction. Yeah. Always. You're going to have the old schoolers who can't stand. It depends on your experiences too. If you're from the South and have ever been called that word, it's a difference when you've been called that word in the South, when you've been called it in San Francisco or when you've been called it with the I-G-G-A instead of the G-G-E-R, right? And even then, it's still demographic because you can be called that, you know, but see, now, now it's different because now there's a generation who really might not know the history, but they think they know about the history. And then now it's even more conflicted. See, back back when I was growing up, it was easy. You know, it, it was a term of endearment for me and my people, but then it was, if you're from the South, that meant something. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was less than, 
right? There's some so, daggers there. Yeah, know. there's daggers there. You know what I mean? But when you among your boys and you saying it, it's like, come on now. It, it, it's not even, you don't even think about it, right? Yeah. And that's just for me, personal experience. Now you're going to have people that come and say, we don't use that word. And that's because they've had experiences where they've had people call them that and it, it hurt. They have scars from it, right? Mm-hmm. So it is what it is. And then you got, you know, comedians who say it that make people laugh, right? You have just all these floating contradictions all over the place. So there's no right and wrong, but people really know the right and wrong of it, right? You know, you know that people, people know, you know, assume by how you, you say it. And you know, when people say it, you know what people mean when they say it in a certain way. No, but you were saying there about it, when I lost you, the usage of the word, if that makes you know, sense. And, and I might have, you know, thinking on it, I might have made it more conflicting and more confusing. But, you know, in the end, you just don't say it. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no, there's never a reason to say it. But you asked me a question. I tried to explain the best I could. So. No, and that's part of why. I was talking to conflection of, you mm-hmm. know, th- different angles and usages and, you know, mm-hmm. but that does make sense. Yeah. However, I do want to wrap with this because uh, obviously we talked about the technology and everything else to, mm-hmm. that we used. And I also appreciate that this was a learning experience and hopefully people who hear this can use what you, uh, how you learn and improved yourself mm-hmm. to, to try to apply it for themselves. So if people want to see what you were doing or tag teams doing, or just everything in your, in DC's world or anything, tag team, anything won't, there it is. You'll find me. You'll see a press release. You'll get all the information you need. You'll get the website. You'll get the social media links. Yeah, the website is tag team back again. Me personally, all, all my, uh, Socials are DC Glenn ATL and all the socials for tag team is tag team won't keep everything consistent because that way people find you. Exactly. Right? It's like you can't have different profiles and different names. Then then Google doesn't know how to disambiguate you. And then you could be pop up on something else that has nothing to do with you. Right. Because it's a bot. So if you don't feed it the right, you know, formula, it's never going to happen for you. And that goes with social media and everything. That's why I just. People always complain about things, and I just take those things and turn them into solutions and put them in my toolbox and keep it moving. It's like you said earlier, and I'll use a reference because it makes sense. Is it the feeding the robot junk or the five-star meal? What are we going with? Yeah. DC, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, man. I learned more about running my mouth, so I appreciate you. (laughs) No, it's all good because running our mouths can... uh, yeah. We can learn Work stuff from them. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. how we learn from each other. You got it, man. This brand is truly exciting. I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. 
soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world. But I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have signaturedhorror.com that's right signaturehorror.com hey everybody this is Brooke Fees your favorite bug girl from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio 